and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Tuesday, December 28th. We're on a holiday schedule, folks. <laughs> and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? There's a couple days of the year, every year, I need to be reminded the limits of the mortal body and what happens when you ingest vast amounts of alcohol into it the next morning. And this was one of those mornings. So my day started about three hours ago, I'd say. Uh, but I'm doing well. Uh, had a nice dinner after, well, kind of breakfast, lunch, dinner, all condensed in about an hour and a half caught the first period of the world juniors as Canada is finishing the first 20 minutes of its steamrolling through Austria. Uh, yeah, things are going well for me. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. It's just how we drew it up, right? Uh, stay up late watching sports and other recreational activities mm. and then take your time to recover, watch some and write in time for some more sports, right? That's, that's exactly the kind of schedule we want for this podcast, <laughs> even if it's not great for our general health. Sports, go to sleep, wake up, sports, podcast, sports, sleep. Yeah, little Christmas hiatus in there. Uh, I hope everyone had a wonderful and safe holiday. I'd like to take a second to flex my Scotty Barnes jersey, uh, leading rookie of the year candidate, and also Vote Fred Van Vliet for the All-Star Game. I've done that now. Three days in a row. Max, go do that right now. Um, yeah, same. I've been doing that too. <laughs> send the boy to the All-Star Game. Uh, that's that's my little Raptors spiel here. Uh, but for the rest of the pod, we've got some football fan cave, little bit of NBA recap over the, the holiday hiatus, uh, and then we're going to talk World Juniors as the NHL continues to extend their pause and postponement of games. Yeah, so right to football, I know. Yes, sir. Let's start on Monday. So last night, the Miami Dolphins winning their seventh straight, becoming the first team in NFL history to lose seven straight games and then win seven straight games. Wow. Yeah, talk about a tale of two halves. They are now eight and seven, only a game behind the New England Patriots um, in, in the wild card race. Crazy to think that when they were uh, one in seven many, many weeks ago. They haven't had the best competition. And that kind of theme continued as they went up against the Saints third stringer Ian Book last night, started the game with a pick six. And from there, it was really just game management with a 20 to three win in the final there. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, very controversial quarterback uh, in terms of how people perceive his level of play. But one thing is, in professional football, you got to put up results. And as much as people may hate on Tua and some of the decisions that he makes, he's winning football games and he has a pretty high completion percentage, which is all you can ask for when you're going through a softer part of the schedule. They've taken care of business and now they have two weeks left to really put a, a stamp. They're really in control of their own destiny because they play the Patriots in the last week of the season. So even if they and New England win next week, they could still win and get in over New England for that wildcard spot due to the tiebreaker. Marking my calendar for that one. Yes, should be a good one. We, we can't forget uh, two seasons ago when the Miami Dolphins, led by Ryan Fitzpatrick, shocked the Patriots, cost them the number one seed, and then they lost to the Tennessee Titans in the first round of the playoffs, and, and that was the end of their dynasty. So definitely a fun one 
to, to get ready for two weeks from now. We'll rewind all the way back to Thursday um, where the Tennessee Titans, who I just aforementioned them, get a big win over the San Francisco 49ers, a bit of a shock to the football world. And, and this Tennessee team, despite missing Derrick Henry, still continues to find ways to win football games. They're definitely a team that if they can get a little bit healthier is a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs just because of their tough style of football. Them and the Indianapolis Colts are in a tight race. Indy getting a big win over Arizona on Saturday. Kind of how we saw that happening. Arizona, Indianapolis going in two opposite directions here. Uh, The Cardinals in full free fall now after losing three in a row. It happened just like last year where they started hot and then had a below 500 record. They missed the playoffs last year. They clinched the playoff spot this week, even with the loss, but uh, things are looking a little shaky in Arizona and Cliffs Kingsbury definitely on the hot seat because while he is a great offensive play caller, uh, it seems like he doesn't pay attention to some of the other finer details of coaching. And that's what you need when you're the head coach of a football team and not an offensive coordinator. The other game on Saturday, on Christmas uh, e- or Christmas Day there, uh, the Green Bay Packers taking care of business over the Cleveland Browns. I did worry about this game just a little bit for Green Bay because of Cleveland's ability to run the ball. They actually flipped the script and had Baker Mayfield throwing the ball over the field. Did not end well for them. He had four interceptions in the game. Uh, and, and like I said, Green Bay, they they seem to be playing at around 75, 80%, just trying to coast their way to wins, kind of like a, a variant version of the Los Angeles Lakers, but actually having success with it. And they get a win. They're now 12 and three. Matt Lafleur is the first coach in NFL history to have 12 wins in his first three seasons. Um, this, despite his uh, the, the shortcomings they have had in the previous two years, he, he is on track to make three straight NFC championship games. And while a lot of times now we value the success of teams and players and coaches based on championships, you have to appreciate the run that this team is having under that leadership. Not all teams can win a Super Bowl every year and making it to that final four is, is pretty darn impressive. So Green Bay set up well to take the number one seed. They have the Vikings next week and then the Lions in week 17, or might be a flip-flop of that. So two very winnable games uh, in each of those weeks for Green Bay. And you could see the the road to the Super Bowl going through Lambeau. It's the Lions. I remember thinking before they had a win on the season that we might get a really fun game of Detroit looking for its first win of the season versus Green Bay's like fourth stringers just sitting out waiting for the next week. But uh, we won't get that. But I do remember it's the Lions from that thought. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess on the Lions, they almost get another win, but uh, fall short backbreaking interception by Tim Boyle against the Atlanta Falcons who somehow are seven and eight on the year when they had just been a deadbeat franchise all season. Uh, but the lions still frisky, uh, but they're not. <laughs> the problem is, is they're too frisky because they're not in line for that number one pick. And that was basically decided today in the tank bowl, the jets losing out on the tank bowl by winning against right. the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so the Jags who had the number one pick in last year's draft, taking Trevor Lawrence on their way to getting back-to-back number one picks, 
Um, not not a terrible way to go about starting your franchise, but it does say something about the quality of your team if you have back-to-back number one picks in the NFL. What uh there's something absurd involving the Jets last season as well, right? Where they uh, like won by losing and or like lost by winning and yeah, basically, well, the one game that they had, they were they hadn't won a game, and then there was 10 seconds left, and they threw this Hail Mary against the, the Las Vegas Raiders and won right. that game basically by accident. And um, lost out on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, because of yeah. that. So As, they just can't tank, eh? <laughs> These Jets. Nothing good goes for the Jets franchise. Although, Zach Wilson looked pretty good today. He had a 52-yard touchdown run where he basically ran down the sideline and Jaguars refused to tackle him because they thought he was going to go out of bounds. Um, And the Jets in this upcoming draft will have two top 10 picks because the Seattle Seahawks uh, losing to the Chicago Bears in the snow at Soldier Field are, I think, around seventh last in the league. And they have their pick in from the Jamal Adams trade, which is looking like a bit of a coup for that that Jets franchise. So that, that, that could be well on their way. They did have a great pick uh, with Elijah Vera Tucker on their O-line. They also have Makai Becton, Quinn and Williams, some top 10 picks from the past couple of years. Uh, and if Zach Wilson can take another step and you use those two top 10 picks, maybe you flip one of them for a couple more uh, draft picks later in the draft, you could start to really build a young and talented franchise. Maybe the Jets now have a future we shall we shall see it's it's hard to shake the curse and while the jets are struggling it's it's just new york seems cursed right now because the giants losing once again in their matchup to the philadelphia eagles getting blown out and and the giants now have had the worst record of any team in the nfl over the past five seasons despite how poor the jaguars and the jets and the lions have been uh so the poor New York fans, but can't feel too bad for them because they are often the obnoxious bunch. It's been a while <laughs> since like King Henrik saw winning days would be the last moment of glory they've had in the past decade. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And one Knicks playoff run. Right. Yeah, well, and I don't know how glorious that was for them. <laughs> Bing bong. Um We'll move on to some of the more marquee matchups here. The Buffalo Bills dominate the New England Patriots in Foxborough. If not for a special teams play, uh, that game could have been a 20-point loss for the Pats. The Bills, Josh Allen, superstar, had over 400 yards uh, in total running and passing. He was everywhere. He was hitting guys. Um, he was using his big frame to, to gain yards. And that was kind of the big difference maker where Mac Jones did not look very good. And the rest of this Patriots team didn't look very good. It, they, they peaked a little bit too early. It's looking like right now. And uh, their defense, which had been so highly touted all season now has been gashed two games in a row by the Colts and the bills. And uh, Max, I don't know if you saw the clip, but after the game, Bill Belichick asked by a random reporter what his New Year's resolution was. No. And he just said, no, (laughs) he (laughs) didn't answer the question, uh, which honestly is better than probably his answers in previous years. After last week saying that he was going to be nicer to reporters, he's, he's taken a step forward in that regard. Wow. Did you ever see that Family Guy episode where God just is nonstop messing with the Patriots? And he's like, I'll stop it. You've just got to get Bill to laugh once. Oh, yes. I do remember that. 
Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Classic. Uh, moving on here, Tom Brady uh, on Patriots note. With the Buccaneers, they clinched the NFC South, his 18th division title in his career. Uh, they were a wild card team last year, but he he does get the division title now with that win over the Carolina Panthers added to the collection. The Bucks chasing those Packers for that number one seed. It is going to be a tight finish between those two. We go to the AFC North where Joe Burrow has a historic day, fourth all-time in NFL history in passing yards in a game, puts up 525 passing yards. They do not stop in garbage time. They pour it on both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, uh, over 1,000 yards now on the season. Joe Mixon running all over this third-string Baltimore defense. Uh, Cincinnati did not forget previous years when Baltimore treated them like the little brother and decided to take it, take payback. It was like late in the fourth quarter and Burrow threw this like 40 yard bomb. Like they were just, they were not having a mercy rule in that game. And, and the Bengals get a big win. They have almost solidified their spot now after some tough couple of weeks, tough couple of losses, they bounced back their top of the AFC North. And they could be in line to set up a first round matchup with the New England Patriots, which would be an excellent game. Uh, another AFC game shocking result, but maybe not so shocking if you've listened to my LA Chargers talk throughout the year. They lose, they get upset, the biggest upset of the week to the Houston Texans, who are now 4 and 11 on the season. The Chargers just they have all this talent, but they just can't put it together and they get big plays run on them uh, with run. Like that's the one thing, Max, if you've taught, heard me talk about the charges is they just haven't been able to stop the run all season. Rex Burkhead has a career night uh, with over 120 rushing yards and, and the Texans steal it. And Davis Mills, uh, rookie quarterback drafted in the second round, looking like a possible stud for the future uh, for this Houston Texans team. If the Sean Watson is unable to return. Uh, all right, last couple games here. The Kansas City Chiefs keep rolling. They blow out the Pittsburgh Steelers. That defense just ate up Big Ben. Um, and, and this Kansas City team is probably one win away now from locking up that number one seed in the AFC. How could we think any different? Could be Kansas City, Green Bay, uh, which was the first ever Super Bowl. Would be a fun one uh, between two elite, elite quarterbacks and and. This team now is clicking on all cylinders. Byron Pringle, uh, no Travis Kelsey in this game, but they were still able to move the ball really well. And Mahomes looks great. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks a lot better than he did earlier on in the season. So this Chiefs team rocking and rolling. And then the Dallas Cowboys with a big-time statement blowout of the Washington football team. They score 42 points in the first half, end up winning that game 56-14. to just a walloping uh, on the Washington team. A couple of their players on defense fighting on the sideline, uh, like a full fist on fist brawl. Um, so not the best thing you want to see if you're a Washington fan and, and the Dallas Cowboys making a statement, making a name for themselves. They're a team kind of like the Chiefs where their defense is very plucky, uh, makes plays. Trayvon Diggs up there in the defensive player of the year conversation with all of his interceptions. Uh, we saw a blocked punt from them. We saw Demarcus Lawrence with a pick six on a screen pass. Uh, 
But the thing about this team, like the Chiefs, is they have all of these weapons on offense, right? That's another thing I've mentioned all season, that if it just coalesces a tad more, they're pretty much unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball and and is a team that no one wants to play come playoff time. All right, that was a pretty long-winded football fan cave, but that's it for me. We're going to take a breath and slide into basketball storylines here where uh, we had a relatively fun Christmas slate on the day. A couple takeaways from that. Um, And then I did have a couple more notes here on uh, a couple more games that happened over the break. But uh, Max, I guess if you want to just tee me up here for for the Christmas Day games. Yeah, for sure. I did not get to watch any of these because I was just enjoying Christmas with my family. What a concept. (laughs) Uh, But that's what Reddit is for. And it gave me the full good, bad, and the ugly of all the Christmas Day highlights. So we'll start with the good. Giannis with that clutch block against the Celtics to ice the game for them. A huge night for Giannis. More on that coming from Owen. And then my other highlight, this is a lot funnier in writing. Otto Maddox. Porter Jr. uh, similarly locking up the game for the Warriors against the Suns with two. I love the mid-range daggers. They're just, it's so much more pleasing than when they like charge into the paint, hoping for the foul call. Obviously like a ridiculous step back three when you need three points is pretty fun too, but there's so much of that in the league these days that something about the mid-range is almost more exciting it's the riskier shot to take uh, so love to see on a Pornier junior just ignoring steph's call for the ball on his second back-to-back uh make and he locks that one up for the warriors the bad off a broken play where i'm not quite sure what lebron james was doing uh, charging for the reverse layup trying to turn it into a pass at the last possible second the pass gets tipped the ball ends up around the top of the three-point line in Westbrook's hands down three points he charges the net uh, goes for the left hand dunk gets denied by the rim LeBron James's hands do not leave that hands raised questioning stance all the way back down the court as he was calling for the ball in that three-point line. But I think it was such a broken play that I almost take Westbrook's side on that. Uh, the three for 15 or whatever he was from the restricted zone, a little harder to side with him on. And then the ugly. Oh, I'll leave uh, you to vote. And I guess you can give me your vote on the highlight good of Christmas Day as well. But for the ugly, our contestant is James Harden just punching Taylor Norton Jr. in the nuts with his free hand as he tries to draw a foul and then adds injury to injury by stepping on Norton's hand as he goes down trying to defend the play. So I can't stop laughing about it. It was just such a ridiculous sequence. And then uh, less funny to me, CP3 with the flop of the year so far um, as Jonathan Kaminga plays full court defense. And he, I don't really know what he does, but he just jumps and chucks the ball uh, into the hand and they're in the bonus. He gets the foul shots. 
he's what's been doing good that and for what's 15 not. years i we've already we already chatted about this yeah um however ugly it is i understand it from chris paul because of the intense competitor that he is the rules should change it's not necessarily a chris paul problem for that one specifically it's Honor more McDavid. of a rule is an intense competitor. Sidney Crosby is an intense competitor. Austin Matthews, but, Patrick but the, Kane. You can't are draw fouls like that in the NHL, right? If Kadri starts diving, the refs are going to catch on and not call it. It's up to the refs to disincentivize Chris Paul by not calling that. He's been doing that for 15 years. The mm-hmm. rip through move, his most he most commonly does it when there's four fouls. He does the rip through bonus two free throws, right? That's but he normally he does that forever. at least like on his the offensive side of the half. That was what was so ridiculous. And the ball was headed straight out of bounds. It's the rip through. You got your hand in the cookie jar. He's gonna do it. Uh that was more just sending a message to the rookie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, but like you say, the the James Harden thing, that's got to be the ugliest thing. Um, in past, he gets away with a lot of that. This time, just elbowed the wrong spot. <laughs> and then the adding injury to injury there, uh, pretty ugly looking. But he had a pretty impressive game against the, the Lakers in that one. They needed him to be like that. But now Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Marcus Aldridge, all coming out of COVID protocols for the Nets. They don't have to be tested now for 90 days. Um, so things looking up there in Brooklyn for a team that's already 22 and nine. On the other side, the Lakers have lost five straight. LeBron James basically averaging like 35, 10 and 10 in those five games. Yep. Uh, people saying the walk out of the arena there looked like the I'm going to trade everyone walk. Uh, so Le GM could be back in action sooner rather than later, but that game, not, not the only one I want to talk about. We saw, it was a surprisingly fun day. We saw a Kemba Walker triple double highlighted off by a, uh, OB Toppin fast break East Bay dunk between the legs. That's his second of the season. Unbelievable that we're seeing between the legs dunks in NBA games, usually reserved for 2k, uh, We also saw Giannis, like you said, that block sealing it, but he's just a monster two-way right now with Brooke Lopez probably out for the season with back surgery. They've been going between Bobby Portis and Giannis at that five spot, and those guys are rangy enough to be able to cover multiple possessions. We saw the block last year on Aiden in the finals, almost a similar type play where he recovers on the roll and blocks Robert Williams at the rim. Um, but Giannis fantastic two ways. I think the Bucks now are 15 and two when Giannis Drew and Chris Middleton are all in the lineup shows you that they haven't played that many games together, but when they do this Bucks team, how can it not be the top of your contenders list, uh, to go back to back. And then that golden state Phoenix game, we already seen them play twice. It was great both times. And, and this one didn't, didn't disappoint either. Uh, in this game, I, I was, <laughs> We were sitting down for Christmas dinner and I had it on my phone just playing uh, on the side there. And it really showed you the composure and how important that defense is for Golden State. Their first in defensive rating, we've mentioned it so many times now. It's not that close in terms of rating as well. They're pretty ahead of, of that, of whoever is in second place. I haven't checked. Um, but You saw that when Phoenix went to a zone look against the Golden State Warriors team, uh, 
they struggled to generate a lot of offense, especially when they had Draymond and Looney on the floor at the same time, two non-shooters. Bridges and Aiton and Chris Paul were able to blitz more on those perimeter-oriented guys and and really clog things up. Uh, But what they do is they can recover, and and they decided to go small. They let Aiton eat as much as he could, but just in the modern NBA, you're not going to go to the center on every possession. And so just by in terms of like expected value of each of those possessions, they were willing to trade a little bit of size to have a better offensive output and they could still compete defensively because a lot of the offense runs through that Chris Paul, Devin Booker tandem, which was solid in that game. But in the end, Golden State comes out with a big, big win. And like you said, Otto Porter, um, that mid-level exception, some people didn't like the signing it feels almost a little bit like a Blake Griffin type situation where just a guy rejuvenates his career on a really great team and just has to play a small role. And when you're winning, things are better. You feel healthier. You feel like you can do a little bit more. And and you saw that there with the two middies uh, to ice the game. It's almost like it solves everything winning. <laughs> yeah. Almost like it. Uh, that's pretty much it. The late game. I didn't catch any of that because it's, past my bedtime but no Doncic and the Mavs put up a fight against the Jazz the Jazz (laughs) they're right there man they're only two games behind Phoenix now for second in the West it's really those three teams in the West and then everyone else we're going to get to the Grizzlies in a sec but those top three teams in the West are are pretty heads and shoulders above the rest of that conference it's our prediction I remember talking to you at the start for our preview of the nba season and we said the top of the west still the best of the nba but the east far more competitive and deep and that's exactly how it's played out through 30 some odd games here all right before we get to well let's let's talk a little ja uh last night with a game winner tough floating layup over mikhail bridges to beat the Phoenix Suns in a big one for the Grizzlies. Right beforehand, Devin Booker with a clutch three to take the lead for Phoenix. But uh, John Morant, man, we saw the Grizzlies were really successful without him. But what he brings to that team that takes them to the next level is, A, the explosiveness and being able to get to the rim whenever he wants. But he's that guy that the ball is always going to be in his hands late because you know he's going to make the right read and he has the capability to finish a really tough shot like that. So while Memphis as a team has been really successful this season with and without Jaw, he takes them to that next level as a superstar who's going to get it done for you late in the fourth quarter. Before we wrap up basketball storylines, I'm going to do a quick good, bad, and the ugly of my own here. A nice little segment for the pod. A little bit of good. Shout out to Xavier Moon. Um, And there's actually another guy here. uh, I can't recall his name. Another Xavier, but two players from the Canadian Elite Basketball League. And Xavier Moon, of course, the MVP of that league, four-time MVP, uh, plays in my local London Lightning. Gets a 10-day contract with the Los Angeles Clippers just another player getting an opportunity to play in the NBA uh, due to this crazy, crazy times. Uh, So shout out to Xavier Moon. That's really exciting and uh, best of luck to him. The NBA already, this is a record year for number of players played in a season, uh, 541 as of yesterday. 
and there's still half the season left to go. So it's going to be by a wide margin. The bad, Isaiah Thomas done the 10 day. The Lakers don't offer him a second 10 day. So he's done for now in the NBA. I'm sure another team may give him a shot down the line. And then the ugly. <laughs> I think I know where about, this is going. Yeah, the good and the bad COVID opportunities. The ugly is this Raptors game that mm-hmm. happened on Sunday night. Uh, the starting lineup was Delano Benton, Svi Mikhailuk, Yuta Watanabe, Chris Boucher. And I don't even know if I could name you the fifth guy. Uh, <laughs> just, just a really tough look for a team that obviously isn't isn't a top tier NBA team right now but when you don't even have a single starter play and you don't have even Chris Boucher hasn't been the best this year he I swear he's shooting 10% from three um, and didn't look great in in that Cleveland game in in extra minutes but they go up against basically the Cavs starting lineup instead of Mobley you have Kevin Love which isn't too much of a drop-off I would say because Kevin loves a 15-year vet who's been on championship teams and then uh, instead of Jared Allen they go with I believe it was Dean Wade who has started for them in the past as well and and it was just an annihilation 45-point victory for the Cavs Uh, Delano Banton looked way in over his head as a starting uh, player which was upsetting but also why he's a two-way player in the G League and getting his looks. And Raptors fans love to project those long-rangey guys as something more than they are right now. And he's going to need a little bit more seasoning. He's fun as an energy guy to come off the bench, give you 10 minutes, play some defense, uh, run a couple of sets, but he's going to need to work on that jump shot. And he's really going to work on how to run an NBA offense consistently because it wasn't there. He had a bunch of turnovers, um, and, and a bunch of four shots that just didn't look great. And besides that was a got a lot of G league guys getting their opportunity to say, Hey, I can get shots up in this game. And uh, it didn't coalesce. They had no time to practice. It, it's kind of unfair almost, but every team's experiencing it. So you can't really cry too much, uh, but just a bummer that it was a bunch of third stringers thrown out there without practice expecting to play an NBA game and it turned out exactly as it should have. Yeah, that uh it, it's almost unfortunate timing that this covid outbreak couldn't be 40 days out from the playoffs because it'd be really nice to have the peace of mind going into the playoffs that something like this won't happen. Like you said, a lot of teams have taken their licks and run their third stringers and it so it i don't think it quite balances out like i think the utah jazz haven't had a single player go out due to covid uh, and other teams like the bulls nets have not been forced to play with such depleted rosters but it's the playoffs i'm most worried about in situations like this all righty that's it for basketball storylines i'm sorry max i distracted you but we got a Connor Bedard hat trick. Oh, ring it up. Six nothing Canada over Austria. And, and that's kind of where we're going to jump into now with some talking hockey. Um, the World Juniors going on. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but double IHF figure stuff out. 
reschedule this woman's tournament. Unbelievable that it's not running right now. And, and uh, then the next day you see the, the arena in Sweden where it got canceled, they're running minor hockey, um, just pretty upsetting stuff there. I won't dive too much into it, but let's, let's move on here and, and jump into the world juniors, Max. I know you got a lot to say on this, so I'll just lead by saying some great hockey so far. That uh, Michkov kid on Russia is absolutely gross, and him and Bedard are probably one-two in that 2023 draft, <laughs> based on hype scale. Um, but the Team Canada off to a good start. Obviously, U.S. earlier today having a game forfeit. That could that could lead to some struggles for them if they can't keep that under control. They could forfeit a couple more games down the line and not make it into the the bracket. Uh, which could really shake things up, or they could finish fourth in their division. That could really shake things up, a Canada-US first-round matchup. Um, so interesting to see how that will shake out. But the Canadians getting a great first win on uh, on Sunday night against the Czech Republic, or Czechia, as, as they're now called. Uh, they dominated 55 minutes of that game, I would say, and really had a five-minute dead zone where they gave up three goals reawakened excellent second period um thanks to a couple of penalties and some guys that just look excellent from from my perspective i'll list them and then max you can go into greater detail uh owen power of course with the hat trick player of the game looked excellent Caden gooley throwing his weight around uh leading in more than just offensive prowess, but as a captain, you got to establish how your team's going to play. And, and they were pretty physical. Mason McTavish with the early goal of the tournament, really silky set of mitts on him going top cheese. And then uh, shout out to my boy, Ivan, Ivan, Ivan on the Chechia team. I had to do a double take when I saw that, but uh, <laughs> pretty cool moment there. All right, Max, I word vomited. I'll throw it over to you. Yeah. Early on, we're, one and a half games into this tournament for team canada and i really like our chances for gold this year we talked about how they had virtually zero adversity until that gold medal game and it showed in it last season but they've already had a healthy dollop placed on their mat in the first period of their tournament and they dealt with it quite well uh, as you mentioned, that absolutely filthy goal of the game by Mason McTavish, uh, skating around the whole team, picking his moment um, to backhand the puck through the legs and just a snipe of a shot, uh, absolute filth. But right from there, like an interesting next 10 minutes or even before Team Czechia scored where they kept getting these odd man rushes and seemed like Team Canada was not communicating on when their defense pinched that the forwards needed to cover them. And uh, sure enough, that came to bite us with three goals, two of them coming off such rushes. Well, I guess one coming off the rush, then they draw a penalty off another such rush, uh, score a goal with not a millimeter to spare, the one-timer off the face-off. And then that third goal, if Mason McTavish had the goal of the game, this one comes second place. And I might have to rethink my statement because that deke was disgusting. I think the goaltender just wasn't expecting a shot to come on the play and couldn't react in time. But down 3-1... 
Canada does such a wonderful job regrouping right off the timeout, just taking the puck to the net with such force, such energy, more on Owen Power in a minute, but he does a wonderful job uh, just picking his moment to shoot. And uh, they tie the period up. Actually, like another a situation where Team Czechia had a two-on-one and what could have been a 4-2 game uh, goes our way because the winger mishandles the one-time shot and sets us up for our own rush uh, with beautiful puck touches between Bedard, Perfetti, and I can't remember who finished that shot, the defenseman. And then that second period like really determined the course of the game. Canada did really start to pull ahead in shots from there and dominated that category. But uh, back to Mason McTavish, he just skates the puck in with such determination, drawing the penalty. And then the ugly of this game or the boneheaded moment coming after they give up another penalty, going down six on four, that cross check to the head, just really boneheaded, stupid move. And uh we made him pay for it, but you could tell Team Canada had not practiced the five-on-three much at all because the triangle defense worked. Um, they didn't get out of sorts. They managed to protect the slot passing lanes, not get pulled apart and set anything up too easy, but the puck possession game, just dominant from Team Canada. Um, two minutes of five-on-three. They do a really great job keeping it in, generating chance after chance capitalize and that two and a half minute stretch really the story because we don't score again until almost less than 10 minutes left in the third and we dominate the rest in shots I think they had something like four shots in the second period and first 10 minutes of the third but if we had 10 minutes left and it had been tied 3-3 still which it would have been without all those power play goals that would have been a nail biter so the power play something we'll talk about with this Austria game as well a huge factor for Team Canada. Also, their sixth goal of the game coming off that power play. Uh, Some individual notes. I've already sort of talked about it, but we got to start with Owen Power, the player of the game. He was impressing me well before he scored his first goal. He seems to make the right decision every time he has the puck on his stick. Whether it's an instant pass for a one-timer, whether it's in the six on four situation, realizing you want to generate the five on three. So just get the puck on net. And so you can start your five on three. Um, Whether it's there's some open ice, I'm going to skate it and find a shot, find a passing lane. Just everything he does is correct. And such beautiful hockey to watch from him. The Buffalo Sabres have got to be absolutely salivating over the prospect of ruining yet another fantastic prospect. Uh, A wonderful game from Owen Power. Uh, Mason McTavish generates that beauty of the goal, draws the power play. Um, So much poise, determination every time he has the puck on his stick. It looks like he has a bit of a temper from some of the clips we've seen. Cole Perfetti, one of the only players I can remember from last year's uh, World Junior squad, showing the poise and leadership of a returning player, uh, does such a great job playmaking with the puck. Uh, Ray Ferraro went into great detail on the broadcast about the wonderful job he did directing Owen Power and feeding him the one-timer. Uh, Realizing that Owen Power's handedness made him a better choice to take that shot. 
The only thing I'd say for Perfetti is the defense seemed to get a read. This is a pass first guy. I remember a couple plays later in the game, he uh, they just knew the pass was coming. One of those, it looked like Bedard might get his first goal, but defense read pass all the way. So I'd like to see Perfetti shoot a little more and make the defense and goaltenders guess because right now I think that's a bit too easy a read. And then maybe we'll just segue right into the Austria game. Not too much to say about Connor Bedard's first game against Czech. Yeah, he got some, the opportunity late in the first. He did a great job, I thought, shooting the puck when he needed to, playing with boys, uh, using his body against bigger guys, just making up what he lacked in size with determination. But this Austria game where he's really shine, I didn't see his third goal. I was breaking down the first two for O before the pod started. A uh, bit of right place at the right time, but that's the hockey IQ. That's not giving up on the puck. And that's having uh, a team that trusts you and loves to play with you. That goal with Will Cooley, shout out to our fellow Garden Public School alum. Uh, though Bedard strips it, protects it, gives it to Cooley, gets in the right place, taps it in. Uh, this Austria game has been really satisfying, mostly just that in the first five minutes, they generated 11 shots on goal after a really slow start against Team Czechia. That's, this is the responding to adversity that you love to see early in the tournament. After that first period against Czechia, you didn't see any more odd man rushes. You didn't see four Canadian jerseys below the slot in the second and third period and now in this game again haven't seen any of that lots of shots on goal early that pays interest pays dividends for them i don't even know what the if the score is still six nothing for them but beating a team they should beat as easily as they should do it and also showing improvements from their last game bedard getting the chance against a weaker team to show what a fun player he's going to be in a couple of years I'm just loving everything I'm seeing from Team Canada right now. And like I said, I quite like our chances for gold. Yeah, it's a quality roster. And I look forward to watching them for the rest of the tournament. Hopefully they can stay isolated. Uh, and and circle your calendars, folks, for that Finland game on New Year's Eve. It's going to oh, be a barn burner. Yeah, I will... We'll see what happens with Team US. Just the way COVID outbreaks have gone in sports leagues so far, it very rarely seems to be just two players on a team. So the rest of Team US tested negative today. I'm sure they'll get tested again tomorrow before they play the Swedes, and that will be a huge determinant in the level of competition this tournament plays out. But just such a fun time of year for hockey. Loving this tournament as always. And shout out Team Germany with a big win over Czech, Czechia uh, yesterday as well in overtime. Uh, exciting for when, when one of those bottom teams gets a gets to ride a bit of an upset wave. Um, obviously, Team Czechia missing their best player after the injury he sustained in the Canada game, but nice to see a team like Germany having, having those moments. That's what you watch for as well. Yeah, 100%. Building off a 
adversity-filled, tough season last World Juniors. I think they had a pretty young squad then, so I'm sure plenty of those players are returning, and they must be so happy to just not be decimated by COVID from the outset. Um, great to see. They, all, they played a tight game against Finland too. I think Finland took it 3-1 or something. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned it the other pod. I'm pretty disappointed we won't get to see Stutzla and Dreisaitl playing together this Olympics, but um, Team Germany's hockey program seems to be doing all the right things and enjoying watching the progress. Last thing here. Um, oh, just seven to... nothing. <laughs> oh, who was it this time? Oh, Perfetti, baby. I called it. There I asked go. for it and he delivered. Shooter. Last thing, Toronto Maple Leafs fans, players to watch in this tournament. We've got Roni Hervinen and Topi Niemela, both on Team Finland. You'll get a great glimpse of them in that New Year's Eve game against Canada, uh, both Leafs draft picks uh, in in the previous two drafts. And, and Niemela is a guy who could be a defenseman in our system sooner rather than later. And then the last guy here, Matthew Nyes uh, for Team USA, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds, and and he was buzzing out there in in some of the pre-tournament stuff. So he's getting some comparisons to Austin Matthews, mostly just in his frame. I wouldn't compare those two too closely, but uh, just those three guys. Looking forward to to checking them out a bit more as. You love to kind of tune in to what the future of the Leafs may look like because now we went from the future to the present with this team, but it's always nice to see a sustained pipeline of talent to supplement the core four for many years to come. A bit of a longer one than I thought. The We both got our reps in there with the football and the hockey recaps. I hope everyone got some insight out of that and we didn't bore anyone to tears. The happy holidays roll on as we get to the end phases. Not quite sure when our next pod will drop, but looking forward to monitoring the NBA's resurgence. These last couple of weeks of NFL action have got me intrigued, and but the World Junior, 100% what I've got the core of my attention focused on. I think that's all for this one, folks. I gotta say, I will not be sad to see 2021 uh, off into the abyss here's to 2022 being uh much more fruitful and exciting and safe and many more sports moments to come cheers to that and sports next door signing out